1: That plush. And the best
0: part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
1: Hello, listeners. Did you know that Mack Weldon has smart design, premium fabrics, and a simple shopping experience? Their underwear is definitely better than whatever you're currently wearing.
0: Disagree, Matt. You know why? Because I'm currently wearing Mack Weldon underwear. And how can you be better than what it is? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I think of Mack Weldon as the James Bond of underwear. Because in addition to looking and feeling great, all Mack Weldon products are crafted with natural fibers that have built-in performance capabilities so they work hard too. This is James Bond Of underwear.
1: Think about it. That's right. They even have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means, like James Bond, they eliminate. What do they eliminate? They have a license to kill odor. (laughs) All that, and they're shipped
0: right to your door in an Aston Martin probably if not you don't like your
1: first pair you can keep it and they will still refund you no questions asked that'd be a oh. good james bond title no questions. oh asked.
0: i like that that'd be a great james bond title uh you know i want to talk a little bit about my i have actually i have mac weldon not only do i have mac weldon underwear matt but i have a couple of mac weldon polos i've got i've got the whole mac weldon collection at this
1: point and i love all of
0: it it's great. The Mac Weldon uh, Baby Blue Polo. If you want to feel like you're in Casino Royale, I, I can recommend no better way to do that than getting a Baby Blue Polo from from the good folks at Mac Weldon. And you know what? If you're like, well, what's in it for me? Well, I'll tell you what's in it for you. You can get 20% off your purchase right now if you go to MacWeldon.com and use the promo code BONDING.
1: And now, let's get to the show. Man and... Matt 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 and Matt.
0: James Bonding podcast.
1: Myra and Goorly, Myra. James Bonding podcast. It's the James Bonding podcast. It's the James Bonding podcast. It's the a Bonding podcast. It's the James Bonding podcast. It's the James Bonding podcast with uh, Matthews Myra and Gorley.
0: Matthews Gorley and Myra. Cool. everybody, welcome to the James Bonding Podcast, I'm Matt. And I am Matt as well.
1: We are here with a special in-betweener for you guys. That's right, it's It's another Saturday morning here, after I had another long night out. That marks the only two long night outs that I've had in probably the past ten years. Did you
0: really go out again?
1: Yeah, I went to one of those uh, personal karaoke booths, and let me tell you... that's a night. Dug into Skyfall. <laughs> uh,
0: who was there? Any friends at the pod? Um. Well, Amanda, my wife. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Maybe. I just want to know if there's anybody else there who could like appreciate
1: your your digging in on it. I think uh, they would be kind in giving me more credit than I deserved because <laughs> it was it wasn't my best work. <laughs> <laughs> Uh well, Matt, I'm glad you
0: rallied and you were able to be here today in your own home office <laughs> while I am uh in New York. It's the last of the bunch that we have to do part. And uh quite frankly I'm excited about it.
1: That's right. Maybe now we can finally get to some of these uh off brand films. Uh the world is our oyster, my friend. And once I'm on hiatus enough.
0: It is never enough. The world is never enough. Um, Speaking of the world is not enough, Matt, today we decided to tackle uh, something a little different. It's not that different because it is a sort of a ranking, if you will. I will. Uh, You will, and they will. Uh, We are talking about all of the directors of the James Bond franchise. Eon produced, everybody. 11 total of the official directors. I was hoping there'd be 10 just to make it easy to have it or, or oh, just top clean. 10? Yeah. Well,
1: we could do top 10 with honorable mention for number 11. <laughs> top 10 with a single elimination round. But that is pretty incredible. It. There's 24 films yeah. and 11 directors. So that's an average of what? Like two point something per director?
0: Yeah. I mean, what throws it off a bit is these uh, one, two, three, four. Four, five, five one-time directors. Yeah, four of them Brosnan directors. Yeah, I mean, listen, they gave him no consistency. They really set him up for failure, Matt.
1: Or did he just ruin these men where they couldn't take it anymore?
0: <laughs> Disagree. You know what it was? There was like some some people were like, I can't direct these movies. There's no room for me on the stage with uh, Desmond Llewellyn's hands. <laughs> so... You know what? I'll do it once and that's it.
1: Well, let's uh, let's recap who these directors are in the order that they appeared. First of all, yes. starting, of course, with Terrence Young. Yeah. Uh, who directed Dr. No and From Rush With Love, then came back for Thunderball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then, took a turn. Uh, for Goldfinger, we had Guy Hamilton, who also went on to do Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die. Uh, the Man with the Golden Gun... Am I missing mm. any for him? Nope. That's
0: it. And then... By Lewis, the way, by yeah. the way, we'll say that about Guy Hamill. And maybe we'll talk to him about it when we get to it. let Okay.
1: Just yeah. Yeah, list it. Then Lewis Gilbert, who did You Only Live Twice, The Spy Who Loved Me, and Moonraker. Mm-hmm. Then it's Peter Hunt, who the one-time director who did On Her Majesty's Secret Service, long-time editor. Mm-hmm. Then we have, I'm doing all of this by mind. Um, by mind. Then we have John Glenn, who did uh-huh. For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, A View to a Kill, The Living Daylights, and License to Kill. Right? Then yes. Martin Campbell for GoldenEye and Casino Royale. Then is it Roger Spottiswoode? Spottis Wood. I think it's Spottiswoode. Yeah. Wood, who That's did where Tomorrow we Never last Dies. Time, yeah. I mean, The World is Not Enough, right? No, Tomorrow yes. Never Dies. Then Michael Atted did The World is Not Enough. Yes. And then Lee Tamahate. Yeah. (laughs) We've been schooled on how to pronounce this name.
0: So much so that we didn't want to mess it up, so I went and watched a video of him being introduced at a New Zealand Film Commission conference. So if we are pronouncing it wrong now, quite
1: frankly, we are still sorry? I guess. And (laughs) then Mark Forster for Quantum of Solace. And then here's another one that I've been schooled on for pronunciation. Do you say Mm -hmm. Sam Mendes or Sam Mendes? I say Mendes.
0: Mendes. So I say it it wrong, apparently. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) What
1: is it, Matt? I don't know. (laughs) I thought you got schooled on it. I did, but it was so long ago. And frankly, I don't don't get into those too heavily. But he's our last. Yeah, Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes, I think, is what it is. (coughs) i don't know you know what bear with us
0: yeah listen i think everybody's just excited to be a part of this conversation and uh tell us everything they think
1: that's right yeah well
0: it's interesting here that we have this list in front of us i have also pulled up a list of adjusted box office for inflation oh great idea you're welcome uh so I think we well, can I also. I never re- thanked
1: you. I just said it was a great idea.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. And uh thank you. <laughs> um so it'll be interesting to see. Uh some surprising numbers on this box office uh updated for inflation.
1: So, so is it box office per director?
0: Well, Matt, uh, I would have to do math for that kind of a thing, but I it is see. box office per movie. I will say this. I will say number one on the list of the most domestic is, you're not going to guess it. Most, that's a challenge. Not global, domestic. <laughs> this is, yes, this is, this is domestic United States. So, for instance, uh, Skyfall made $304 million
1: domestically. And that's not number one. No, it's wow. not. It's it, number three. Is it Die Another Day? No. Casino Royale. We'll, we'll, we'll get to this. Uh, okay, you're, okay, you're okay, okay. You're not even All close. You're not
0: right. even close. Well, then I don't know what to say. <laughs> um. But yeah. So it's time we're gonna we're gonna go through each director, ranking them from top to bottom, or bottom rather to bottom top. to top. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into it, Matt. Let's just jump right in. I feel like. Uh, I feel like you're number one. I, I just have a feeling on your number one. And, uh, and quite frankly, uh, I'm not going to agree with it. But, Wait, uh,
1: you're talking about my number 11. My, your number 11. I'm sorry. I think our yes. number and our 11 and our number ones are probably the same. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Who? My number 11 is Lee Tamahate.
0: Oh, you did it. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. I was well, so expecting Roger.
1: I know, but I mean, I, I do think that uh, even though I enjoy watching Die Another Day more than Tomorrow Never Dies just because it's yeah. so batshit crazy, I do think mm-hmm. it's pretty poorly directed. <laughs> I mean, it's bonkers. It's, and yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of it was probably mandated by the time it was done. And maybe the producers saying they want to kind of ramp up things like literally with the speed, literally, ramping, but literally ramp it up. I bet he had quite a hand to play in that. I mean, I, I, the sense I get from him is he's got a, a flair and personal style that reflects his directing and it maybe is. Yeah, a little I will say the video, the video I watched of him, he was in a fur coat and I was like, you know
0: what? That's a fucking director.
1: that Was this when they were shooting the uh, Ice Castle scene? no 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 this was uh, recently <laughs> in
0: palm springs in a in a building near a train station okay i know that because the train went by and it was very funny what are your thoughts on lee Tamahori? well listen I, I i this is not to take away from his body of work outside of the james bond franchise now i have to say we're we're rating all of these people on their performance with the franchise we love so much
1: yes because he be- was renowned for his uh, what's that uh, uh, we One, were once we're warriors yes
0: yeah 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 so that being said I have to agree with Matt it, 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 Die Another Day is so bad shit he didn't get a chance to come back and do anything else so it's it is what it is that being said there are some nice shots in the
1: movie what not really are there any nice shots? I'm trying to think right now. Visually I like the car chase on the ice. Like that's done well, but part of me thinks that was maybe a second unit director too.
0: But also I think that part of that's not done well because of the the um the speed ramping that is so happened right. so much in that particular instance.
1: Now is that um, a post production thing or do you think they actually set up those matrix cameras, those three sixty cameras? To do the speed ramps? Yeah, but don't they do, I guess they don't do that, like, th- No, they don't a, do, like, oh, a ro- right, okay, ro- yeah. rotating situation, thank God. Um, That's how bad I, I remember this in my mind, that everything <laughs> freezes and Neo jumps out of that BMW. and Classic Neo. Um, and uh,
0: that, that really, for me, the fact that I can't think of anything good. I, well, you know, at the sword fight, I like the direction of the sword fight that yeah. happens in, inside the fencing club.
1: But you know what we're also talking about is like tone and what he's doing with the actors. And I think he's not, uh, you know, like I think that was one of the considerations I put into some of the work here. And that's why like there might be some slight surprises on my list in mm. terms of how the director works with the actors and how believable performances he gets. And I mean, the the acting in this film is definitely on par with the visuals and that it's all just on cocaine. <laughs> uh yeah, it's on that it's on that snowy arctic power. What do you what do you think it would be like if Lee Tamahori had gone on to direct Casino Royale?
0: <laughs> That's an insane question. I Wouldn't don't that know. Be amazing. I would I love to see that. I honestly have no clue. That's crazy to even think about. Yeah. I don't even know. It's hard to think about that movie done by anybody but Martin Campbell because it's so um it's so well done. Right. Anyway, I'm sure we're going to get to that very to shortly. It. Yeah. Not very shortly actually. <laughs> it's going to be a while. Uh okay, so Matt, we had the same number 11 on this uh-huh. list. Yeah. It's time to talk about the number 10 and since you went ahead with your 11, I will I'll swing through with my okay. fancy dancy number 10. It is. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Apted, mm. the mm. world
1: is not enough, and we'll do that thing where we won't talk about yes. it until. Okay, so, so Matt, what is your number ten? My number ten is Roger Spottiswood.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Roger, talked about him for a while. <laughs>
1: Spot his wood,
0: Spottiswood. Uh, all right, so that is out of the way. Number nine on my list, Matt. This might surprise you. Hmm. All right. Okay. I just, I just want to throw this out there before I say the following. Lewis Gilbert.
1: Not altogether surprising.
0: Okay. Fact, okay. Uh,
1: you know what? Oh, I'm torn about that myself. I'm I'm I am i i i am struggling with where to put him in this list, but I don't have to decide that right away. No, you don't. Number nine for me. Yeah. Michael Apted. What we're going to talk about, Michael Apted? That's the right.
0: world is not enough.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, let's he's talk number about this nine movie. for me because I like I can't think of anything either way. You know, both he and Roger Spottiswood is kind of that way to me, where it's just mm-hmm. like, eh, yeah, okay, I guess the film got <sighs> finished.
0: It did uh, well. I you know. And it's interesting. I haven't watched the world is not enough since the last time you and I watched it for the earlier version of the James Bonding podcast. Yeah. So I'd be interested to revisit now. But just Me going too. back in my head of of the um, of the film. Well, he gets good performances. I like Robbie Coltrane's performance in it. Yeah. I like. Uh, I like. You know, it's some over the top Brosnan isms. Yeah. It's a little bit of a, I think, you know, what's interesting about that movie is Judy Dench has the most to do mm-hmm. in that movie to that point. Do you know what I mean? She has more to do in that than she actually does in Casino Royale, right. Fond of Solace, Diner of the Day. Yeah. It's not really till we get to Skyfall that we see another performance from her like that. Right. Where she's actually doing... She's actually in more than two scenes and, and in, involved in the plot. And in that movie, she is woven throughout the story. So,
1: Also, you yeah. got two villains that kind of have actual souls. See, that's why I'd put him above Spottiswood, because Carver's going nuts in that movie. But it's just kind of a cartoon performance. And I think um, Renard and, and uh, what's her name? Electra. They've got some yeah. depth to their character. This is a movie. I actually think this Brazen's probably my second favorite because I could see where this one almost made it. You know, if you take Denise Richards out and maybe scale back some of the goofiness and the plot a little bit, there's yeah. something here. I'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing this one again.
0: Yeah, I, it is also. There's a lot of um, it's 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 Desmond Llewellyn's last scene. Yeah. So it is. it will be interesting to revisit his hands That's and right. see how big they got. And he's got that shrinking.
1: Brosnan suit that you love so much.
0: Uh, it has a linen suit with a blue shirt that is just the bee's knees.
1: It is pretty good. Do you have that? I forget.
0: Uh, no. I. There were a couple of times where I almost purchased one and then realized I do not have the build of Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> well, and who does? it looks... <laughs> It would look ridiculous on me. So I've, 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 I've held off. But you know what? Maybe a couple summers from now, Matt, you and I on a, on a beach, and I'm wearing that suit, and you fall into the ocean. I have to save you. So I'm going to dive. What I'll do, actually, is I'll go find the highest point nearby. So I hope you can tread water for a little bit. Sure. That sounds... I'm into this. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, not... Not an incapable director, nothing there's nothing i mean what how much of a performance can you get out of Denise Richards in that role really is the
1: question right, but then part of directing too is casting, and I, this is where I really wonder like how much the producers are saying it's got to be this person or the director. I like they always seem to to collaborate pretty well on these movies so. I think
0: to my to my knowledge I, I, or rather not to my knowledge, but to my life's thought. I've always thought it was the producers on these movies, huh. more so than anything the director would say.
1: He's also an interesting choice for a director, because isn't he known for that series of documentary films, the Up series, where he follows children from a young age all the way t- into adulthood? Seven well, like Up. Like the and... uh, Seven
0: Up and all that stuff? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: What I else mean, did he do yes, as like, narrative films?
0: I'll tell you right now. Please do. Uh, Enigma. What's that? Oh, the recent one? The machine? The, two, the 2001 one, not the Enigma machine. All right, here we go. Ready? A lot of docs, a lot of docs, a lot of docs, a lot of docs. He did, uh, he's done a couple episodes of recently, a lot of uh, Ray Donovan and Masters of Sex. Oh. Um, and let's see, I'm going to go back, 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 28, play for today. ITV Playhouse, that's a, well, yeah, I mean, really, just a, direct, a director documentary up until recently where he's started to get more into television.
1: Okay. So. Right. Well, Matt, that, what's, what's your number eight?
0: Uh, let's go back to the list here. Oh, boy. It is interesting how these directors start to, we're going to get to a block in
1: a second that's like, oh, boy. Um, like how do you put one above the other yeah 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 have you listened to throwing shade on earwolf it's a hilarious podcast hosted by aaron gibson and brian safi who deliver fresh takes on pop culture women's rights and lgbt rights and now they have a brand new
0: bonus show exclusively on stitcher premium called throwing shade deeper
1: shade of shade A deeper shade of shade. Oh, 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 oh. In each episode, Brian and Aaron put a twist on on artistic starter cards from 1975 by asking hard-hitting questions like, Would you clone yourself? And can you name a real housewife?
0: (laughs) The first bonus episode
1: has the one and only Paul F. Tompkins as a guest. They get deep and talk about being interrupted during a dance, Popeye's anatomy, and inflatable snakes.
0: <laughs> Listen to Throwing Shade, Deeper Shade of Shade, exclusively on Stitcher
1: Premium. For a free month of Stitcher Premium, go to stitcherpremium.com shade and use promo code bond. There, you can also find all kinds of other materials. Even our
0: live episode, Matt Gorley. That's
1: right. It's out now on Stitcher Premium. Use promo code BOND at StitcherPremium.com slash shade. This is going to maybe...
0: This is maybe going to surprise everyone listening to this podcast, but... My number nine, right? Nine, Nine. Eight. Right, eight, sorry. My number eight... Is
1: Mark Foster, Mark Forster,
0: Forrester, Sorry,
1: we can't pronounce these directors' last names to save our lives. <laughs> uh,
0: and that is no.
1: Why is that not a surprise? A, it's, not a, it's
0: not an easy slide in for there because I think visually, I think Quantum Solace is visually one of the best James it for Bond the movies. Discussion,
1: but I don't think people would be surprised to hear that that one's lower, considering yeah. that film's troubled. History. but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Well, then let's discuss when we need to. Matt, what's next? My number eight is a journeyman director and someone I like very much. I like his films very much, but we'll talk about it when we get to it. But John Glenn. Matt, that's so interesting
0: because that was my flip-flop. I was (gasps) flip-flopping between Forrester and John Glenn.
1: Well, then let me just say that my number seven is Mark Forrester. So we'll talk John Glenn, then we'll talk Mark Forrester. Wow. Wow. What a treat. Wow.
0: I mean, really the only thing that saved John Glenn from from utter demise for me was his uh his his real uh, light touch with a view to a kill.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I happen to it's it's weird. I I put him low on the list, but I happen to really like his films. I guess yeah. there's just nothing very special about them. They're just good like jobber bond films and I don't know. Like, he's just right in the pocket with Roger Moore. He's, a, he's, he's certainly a an, an actor. Is my wife showering?
0: Yes, she is. This is crazy.
1: You're in a hotel room and your wife is there and she's showering right now. <laughs> she's... While she's, we podcast.
0: This is crazy. Like, it's like one foot away. She knew I had to podcast today. I don't know why she didn't do this earlier.
1: Well, this is very James Bond. Oh, boy. <laughs> Should I go in there? A water pistol. <laughs>
0: uh, apologize for the audio, talk. everybody. In fact, I'm just gonna like tweak this down just a little bit. Hopefully, you just get less
1: ambient. All right.
0: Um. Okay. So yeah, we're talking about John Glenn. John Glenn. Okay, so let's list the John Glenn movies. It's for your eyes only. Octopussy, right. A View to a Kill, Living Daylights, and License to Kill. Right. Now, of those of those movies, I think that you and I genuinely really enjoy really enjoy watching three of them: Octopussy, View to a Kill, and Living Daylights. Yeah, I think is you're that, right. Is that fair? Is that fair yeah, to say? That's fair. Um, and he's and the body of work wise,
1: it's it's five movies. I'm looking at him too because. This is really all he did. I know. Um, he did other films beforehand, but he did his. Wait, hold on. I'm looking at editor. Mm-hmm. Let me look at director. He did something called The Point Men, Space Precinct, Christopher Columbus, <laughs> Iron Eagle 3. Checkered I'm Flag. that. Like, why didn't he work more after Pond? That's weird. Well, you know what? Part of that, Matt,
0: might be that the adjusted for inflation, lowest grossing movie in the history of the James Bond franchise is License License to Kill. kill. Yeah. Adjusted for inflation, it made $80 million. Maybe he just retired.
1: You think so? I mean, why not? The
0: industry retired him.
1: Well, he would have been. Fifty-seven when he finished. Hmm. Do you think he was like, "Eh, I'm good, I've got it all done." It's possible, but I really do like his films. They just—they're not like artful, you know. Like there's nothing all that special about them. They're just kind of in—in uh, in a good way. They're a little hackneyed, you know. Like they just—they're just, they're just riding on the t- t- tropes that they already invented before right. his films. And um, they, I can't think of anything new that they really bring um, in any way. <laughs> but in a way, that's comforting. Like, his are the most comforting Bond movies to me because they ask nothing of you and take nothing from you. And, right. And, you and know, give you everything you need but nothing more, nothing too healthy.
0: In a lot of ways, you know, it's like when you have a franchise that's extended for this long, it's a lot like having a TV show that's up and running, you know? Yeah. And you're coming right. into a family that has been going... And, and making this thing for a long time. Yeah, so and he had been a what's part expected, of that. Yeah, and what's expected of you at that point is to come in and let everybody do what they do well, and, uh, you know, if you have any ideas, great. If it if it fits the mold, then we'll go for it. Otherwise, you know, a good director of television is someone who can, you know, fit into the to the production, can fit into the system, and can and do and execute you know what the showrunner wants executed and to that point like your job i think at that point and the point he was doing those james bond movies was to go in there and execute what
1: Cuppy brockley wanted right and i think like the actual praise that should go to him is when he wasn't a director because he he was doing a lot of second unit stuff and editing. Like, he did the Moonraker skydiving sequence. He yeah. did the editing for Honor Her Majesty's Secret Service, which was like revolutionary. And I'm sure a lot of that was coming from Peter Hunt's direction, but still, um, I, th- I actually think his best time was before he was a director and he had been with the franchise for so long. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, John, you you you, you're you're great. And don't don't if you happen to download this podcast before your next flight, just know that
1: we love you. That's right. And and in the tradition of Desmond Llewellyn's hands, John Glenn has the longest teeth you will ever see. That's right. John Glenn's teeth are a are a moonraker
0: plus or minus. (laughs) Uh all right. So that's John Glenn. Anything else you care to say about Mr. John Glenn?
1: No, other than I love his work with the Apollo program. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, here's the deal. John Glenn never flew on the Apollo. He was a Gemini and Mercury astronaut. Okay? Oh, no. He flew on the space shuttle also. You
1: mistake me. I'm talking about how he used to head the Apollo fan club for Battlestar Galactica.
0: Oh, this John Glenn. Now I know. There's a third John Glenn. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, okay, so then I guess, Matt, we're talking about Mark
1: Forrester. You've done it again. It's Mark Forrester. It Forrester.
0: Forrester. Forrester. Yeah.
1: But uh, now yeah. he's the toughest one because I think that's why this film is so doggone frustrating. Because of the writer strike and more information is I feel like coming out over time that he and Daniel Craig really had to work together to make this thing and he didn't get the editing... I would love a world where we got to see the intended quantum of solace, because there's some great stuff in this movie visually, frenetically. Sometimes it's a little mm-hmm. too confusing. The acting is really good. I actually like the tone. Some people think it's too serious, but um, I'm—I'd really, really, really love to see a director's cut of this film. Do you think we'll ever get that? God, I want it. No, oh,
0: no, I want it it. never. It will never, ever, ever happen. You don't think? No. No, why they they, they they the James Bond franchise is not a big BTS friendly situation. You know what I mean? But
1: they they, they, keep they everything stack close things to with with special features. But I feel like this one deserves it, and they might someday recognize that because first of all, they'd make a ton of money. I'd think.
0: I don't know how I don't know how many people are out there clamoring now. Listen, you know to this what? Podcast when this I the, aside.
1: when this becomes the next on Her Majesty's Secret Service in about. 15 years, 20 mm-hmm. years I think this will happen. God, I hope I live to see the day. Like a 4-hour cut of this movie.
0: Well, <laughs> man, I, I what I love about this movie, I, it is it is beautiful. It is a beautiful movie. Right. There are he there's, there there are so many shots in this movie that are just just gorgeous. Yeah. The framing's beautiful, the color is beautiful, the absence of color you know you're going over you know it's got fire it's got water it's got desert it's 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 really spectacular i mean that opera scene is amazing looking
1: yeah he also brings interesting touches we've never seen before like the um the scene descriptions like when you go to different places that are kind of like the font is is integrated into the yes. composition and I'm really looking forward to watching this movie again. I've been holding up. I've been wanting to watch it, but I keep thinking I'll, I shouldn't watch it now because I'll be watching it soon enough.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the rooftop chase scene in this movie is is fantastic. The cold open of this movie is is up there for me as one of the best cold opens ever, as you can go back and listen to on our cold open ranking, cold that, openings, hot rankings.
1: That was a fun episode.
0: Most popular episode of all time.
1: <laughs> of any podcast ever.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I just cannot get over how, I mean, this movie so hinges on watching it within a very close distance to Casino Royale for it to really fully take its form.
1: Yeah. I once saw him speak at USC They did a kind of Bond day where they showed on Her Majesty's Secret Service on the big screen, which, by the way, is so good to see on the big screen. And Mm -hmm. it was him and Tom Mankiewicz and I think Barbara Broccoli. my God. Yeah. Um, I want to say maybe even Olga Kurilenko because I think he and Mark Forster, or she and Mark Forster were dating at the time. But there's just something about when he talks about the film, you can tell he was really invested in it and he really cared. And that's why I'm so bummed that the circumstances were what they were because he wasn't just a jobber coming in. He, he right. seemed like he wanted to make a good film, you know, like Martin Campbell did and Sam. Yeah. Bendes, I mean, Vision Bendes. Again,
0: I have to say this is like, this is up there with your, with your, uh, sky falls as far for me as pure, like beautiful, James Bond movies yeah uh so Mark Forster you are incredible I wish you got to do more than the one movie
1: I'm tempted to put him higher on my list but because it's only one movie I feel like I know that's where you
0: suffer I think maybe we should talk about ranking people ranking ranking the five one-timers hmm in a, in a separate sort of situation, maybe right after we get yeah. to the end of this, we'll just okay. pop back and go boom, 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 boom. That's a good. Uh, idea. So that being said, uh, Matt, yes, that was uh, that was eight and seven, right? Right. So it's time to talk about number six. Yes, that was eight and seven. Number six on the list for me mm-hmm. is.
1: Roger Spottiswood, that high, huh? Yeah. Are you doing that?
0: Uh, no, I'm not. it's I'm a not. protest ranking. I really, ranking? genuinely, I genuinely like. I, I like that movie so much. I know and you I, like the I movie. Don't do it. I don't do it like to make light of our our friendly disagreement over the film. Uh huh. I do it because I think he pulled the best performance out of Pierce Brosnan.
1: Hmm of any
0: of anybody i really do and i will take that to my grave i know you have your problems with the film i know that you you know generally don't care for uh, a single second of that movie (laughs) <laughs> I think that's but fair. Uh, but I I do genuinely I enjoy it and I think that for me for my money again going back to the whole John Glenn of it all and and being someone who can deliver a James Bond formula and a James Bond look and and I think that uh, he did Roger did a as as good a job as as you, he could given the material. Okay, I'll let you have the
1: last word on that. You had no word on it. I love it. I think people know where I stand. I just feel like the, the tone is is so all over the place, and it cancels out the good and the bad.
0: I think that the tone... Well, for me, I don't find the tone to be all over the place. I find it to be very tonally James Bond. But that again, we've mm-hmm. had this discussion many times, and I'm yeah. sure we'll have it many more times. We're going to be old. We're going to be decrepit. We're going to be in a home in north hollywood for former podcasters that's right we're will. we going to look at each other one of us will
1: have a deathbed conversion (laughs) or whoever outlives the other will go on his deathbed he he relented (laughs) matt was right it wasn't good
0: (laughs) uh boy that would be fun a old home for podcasters
1: we'll be there watching the director's cut of quantum of solace (laughs) let's write
0: that tv show oh god
1: um Old okay. home for podcasters. Yeah,
0: oh, it's just, we're sitting there talking. We're talking, constantly talking. No one's recording it, but we're talking.
1: That would be great.
0: Um, All right, so Matt, who is next on your list? My number six is Lewis Gilbert. Nailed it. You nailed it.
1: Of you only live twice, Moonwaker, and The Spy Who Loved Me.
0: Here's my question, Matt. Yeah, why? Lewis Gilbert, I feel like, is higher than he should be here. When you look at the true body of work, mm-hmm. and you look at a film like "You Only Live Twice," which is, which is all right, the "Spy Who Loved Me," which is the best of the Brosnans. I mean, not the Brosnans, the Moors, the Roger Moore movies, uh, widely accepted as such. Um, and then you have Moonraker. So for me, I'm looking at like Moonraker and You Only Live Twice being on the same list here. And I'm like, "Mm, okay. And then The Spy Who Loved Me in the middle. I feel like this drags him down.
1: Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think I struggled with putting Mark Forster above him. But again, Mark Forster's only got one film. And then again, Lewis Gilbert's basically only got one film (laughs) because they're all the same. But I mean, he, he did... Bring something that the prior films didn't have, and that was pushing it to its limit that hadn't been done yet and I think there's something to be said for that, especially in Bond, and I also think like in Moonraker there's some and and you only live twice, especially there's some really great stuff in there, some great shots, like some of the cinematography in moonraker is is quite good and um I don't know his they're his big films too are, think about
0: this think about the coverage he had to get too he yeah. did. He did Volcano Lair. Right. Tanker Ship with Two Submarines. Yeah. And Moonraker. (laughs) Right. That's right. Huge, huge James Bond movies.
1: Yeah. It's worth mentioning, too, that cold opening of Spy Who Loved Me was another John Glenn joint.
0: Oh, right. The uh, the famous uh, Union Jack parachute scene.
1: Yeah. But also, I just love the sweet little man in his interviews when he's got his Oxford shirt buttoned all the way to the top and his little <laughs> sweet speech impediment. I don't know. Lewis Wait, Gilbert. Louis Gilbert. What else did he direct? Uh, he's, he's actually had a career.
0: Suck it. Everyone else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lewis uh, Gilbert. Louis Gilbert. Alfie. He did Alfie. Oh, What's it all about? Educating Rita. (laughs) Oh. Shirley Valentine. Um, Boy, he's done a lot. Still with us, by the way. No kidding.
0: No kidding.
1: How old is he? man
0: is still going. Born in 1920. He's nearly 100. He's 98 years old.
1: Look at all the pictures on his IMDb. Are Him in the blue All button to the top. Button to the top. He's just so sweet looking. Hello. Hello, Matt. I'm hunting rabbit. (laughs)
0: Matt, thank you for liking my movie. (laughs) You see, inside of this boat, we have many tiny submarines, but they're big submarines.
1: (laughs) They're not miniature submarines. They're real, real sized.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Wow. He really... Talk about a career. This guy has been around and has directed almost i mean the last thing he directed was in 2002 what was it it was a movie called before you go the imperfect Ooh. lives of three sisters are revealed at their unloved mother's funeral <laughs> hmm. julie okay. walters john hanna tom wilkinson oh. you know decent cast yeah uh so yeah lewis gilbert Let's. I'll, I'm gonna pop over to the uh, box office mojos of Lewis Gilbertisms. You only live twice. Matt is the yeah. number four. Okay, adjusted for inflation, domestic gross in the United States that is three hundred and twenty nine million dollars adjusted for inflation. Spy who loved me is number sixteen, and Moonraker is number five. So he's got four and five on the list. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good, Lewis Gilbert. (laughs) All right. That brings us to number five. The top five. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Here we are. We're in the top five. And number five for me, buckle up, Mr. Matt Gorley. Uh huh. This is the the five and four for me were flip flopperinos. Okay. Okay. Just have to say. And this is what I've landed on. Okay. Number 5 for me. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Sam Mendes.
1: Me too. Whoa. Yep. This is unbelievable. That's right. He's an interesting fellow because I think Skyfall, his work on that is truly great, really remarkable. And then Spectre really knocks his average down <laughs> quite a bit.
0: Yes. Uh, it's interesting here's my question to that to that to that point of Spectre what and we'll obviously address this again when we do our third episode about Spectre
1: and Um, when when the director's cut comes out you
0: you love a director's cut I love it Um, my question is how much of the bad things of of Spectre are on Sam Mendes
1: yeah, you're right. Because the script, yeah, it's How a similar thing this... to Mark Forster,
0: right? But I mean, the job Mark Forster did,
1: Considering... given what he
0: was given, yeah, with the timing of everything. But here's my question on this Spectre. Let's talk about it a little bit right now about the things we don't like about Spectre, right? Yeah, I think the main thing that we both are not huge fans of is the trying to tie in together all the Daniel Craig movies at the end of this film. Yeah. That is a huge that 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 hugely knocks it down in my
1: estimation. And the brother um, thing. Yeah, the brother the brother thing. God, I always forget about that. It's funny how those two things didn't bother me the first time I saw it. And I was very I aware that they bothered a lot of people right out of the gate. But I, for some reason, was just like, no, that, that seems okay. And then, really, you know you know, it took a second viewing, I think.
0: It was because we had so many expectations going into the movie. And our expectations... Like, everything we wanted out of the movie, it gave us. But on top of those things, it gave us horrible things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, we wanted... We wanted him to be on a mission. We wanted him to do this, that, and the other thing. They ticked off all those boxes. Yeah. But in addition to ticking off those boxes, they decided to do this weird shared universe thing where all the movies were connected. Then they decided to do a the brother orphan thing, which was yeah. unnecessary. And uh, on top of that, the whole thing with like the... Spectre over the quantum situation, like trying to wrap that into there. It was a tall order. He did give us a lot of stuff, and uh, he also gave us some beautiful visuals in that movie. Now, he's so high on the list, though, for me, because of Skyfall. Right. And just what he was able to accomplish with Skyfall.
1: Yeah, so that that is a good question. I wonder... I mean, it's obvious there were script problems on Spectre, and that they were really went through a lot of versions and they were rushed and they, I think were clamoring to get that third act done as, as the film was ramping up to shoot or even shooting. Yeah. Um, whereas Skyfall, they really got to develop, um, but also it wasn't Spectre delayed and Sam Mendes wasn't going to do it. And then he, yeah. they decided to wait for him. So you would have think they would have had a little bit more to offer there, script wise. But, to, um, uh, but whose idea
0: was it, though, is my question. Whose idea was the connecting them? Do you know what I mean? Well,
1: I, I feel like I, I could be wrong about this, but because Purvis and Wade weren't originally on that, was it the John Logan draft? Was he who did it, I think, or Peter Morgan? Why do I get those two mixed up? But he did be the first a thing draft. I'm
0: never going to be able to figure out. This is the great <laughs> mystery of our James Bond fandom.
1: I know, but, but they weren't even thought? on this one at all and and then then they were brought on later and i feel like they added the third act Mm, but maybe it was always intended for them to tie the things together i don't know
0: why do we not know anyone i guess because it it happens mostly across the pond but it's like i find it weird that we don't know tangentially anyone in in these movies or or dealing with this production wise yeah i'm gonna start poking around sony (laughs) you should (laughs) Like, hey, hey, I've seen, I've seen, you know, I walk by some offices, I see some Spectre and Skyfall posters, so maybe I'll just knock over there and be like, hey, question.
1: Yeah. And I know the script was leaked, the early draft version, but I wonder if there's more than one version out where you could start to compare the mm. iterations of it. I don't know. But they're working on the next one. Purvis and Wade. Yeah. Solely, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, as far as I know, So, so this far. will be
1: interesting to see. Because this will be the first Daniel Craig where they go solo, I think. Yeah. Because there's Paul Haggis on the first two. Then what, what let me see who
0: Logan it? on
1: Skyfall. Logan. Okay. And Spectre, right? And then I believe Logan on Spectre as well. Logan went solo on Spectre, and that's when they needed to bring And then him in. they brought in Purvis and Wade, yeah.
0: Spectre, by the way, Matt. Yeah. Number fourteen on the adjusted for inflation. Wow. Skyfall is number three.
1: Hmm. Okay. So
0: I'm just hoping you're enjoying that. By the way, worldwide, Spectre is number two, Skyfall is number one.
1: Okay. Wow. All right.
0: Just so you have that in your head. Okay. Skyfall, of course, made one point one billion dollars. Jesus. And, uh, Spectre made eight hundred and eighty million. Skyfall is a billionaire. It It is. It is. And the domestic gross is uh, 27.5% of Skyfall's take came from the domestic box office. Wow. Wow. Hmm. There you go. All right. All right. Number four. Number four with a bullet is Mr. Guy Hamilton.
1: Me too, Matt. What?
0: This, may, this might be our closest list ever.
1: Yeah, that's true
0: little you know little i i tomorrow never dies again throwing everything off <laughs> yeah it always does um okay so here's the deal with guy hamilton he gave us the he gave us essentially the future template for all james bond movies which is goldfinger mhm but then he followed it up with diamonds are forever not a great film then he came back up and was like, here's Live and Let Die. And then he did The Man with the Golden Gun, which is boring. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, and tell me if I'm wrong here, I feel like since we ranked him similarly, we probably have similar thoughts on it, but Goldfinger and Live and Let Die coming out of the same
1: person, that's a hoot. That's pretty good. Yeah. I would say he's the most, his films are probably pound for pound the most fun of any director if not always great you know what i mean like he's yeah. a, he's he's established so many things in this franchise not only like just plot devices and tropes and stuff but tone and style i mean he was the first to really kind of goof off with it a bit yeah. and so they for the fun ones like he he even though he did goldfinger to me he's always a Roger Moore type director like i think that's where he wanted to be in that mode <laughs>
0: Well, he does sort of get the because
1: Diamonds Are Forever is a Roger Moore film, no matter it's how you 100%. slice it. It's hundred
0: yeah. percent a, a Roger Moore film. What would he have been like in that? I, I think, think it's it easy been to imagine. I think it yeah, I, been I,
1: I agree. It should have been his first.
0: Um, but you know, if you're a director and you have Goldfinger under your belt,
1: and we're ranking James Bond
0: movies, I mean, quite frankly, how do you? How do you? I know. How do you not give this guy a top five spot?
1: That's right. I could also imagine Connery and Live and Let Die pretty easily, actually. Mm, that's interesting.
0: Live and Let Die is the most 70s of his wardrobe.
1: Oh, I love it, though. It's so good. <laughs> that light blue denim getup when he walks sure. around Jamaica with Rosie. His his uh, turtleneck, black turtleneck. Yes. Stealth outfit. Which
0: was so good that they
1: threw Daniel Craig in it
0: for Spectre. And
1: did you see the new trailer for Mission Impossible? He's in something very similar. Oh.
0: (laughs) Well, it's all, I guess, a nod to... Yeah. You know. Uh, Goldfinger Matt, domestic box office. It is the number two Hmm. James Bond film. Hmm. 608 million dollars domestically.
1: Hmm.
0: Now, Goldfinger worldwide does not crack the top 10. Wow. And that's unadjusted. This is unadjusted worldwide box office. Hmm. Okay. So, pretty interesting. 608 okay. million dollars adjusted for inflation. Uh unadjusted gross 51 million dollars. Wow. Released December 22nd, 1964.
1: What December a December
0: 22nd? Treat. Wow. December 22nd.
1: Interesting. Hmm.
0: I mean, I always think of James Bond movies as November, December. Don't you?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: I mean, this some of the, the summer ones, License to Kill, Living Daylight's View to a Kill. Dr. No, For Your Eyes Only, Live and Let Die, Spy Who Loved Me. From Rush with Love, Moonraker, and You Only Live Twice were all summer releases. Everything else was November, December. Hmm. Alright. Anything else to say about Guy? Gee. No.
1: Well, he but he also directed a fair amount of films that I actually do like. Now um, my wife
0: is blow drying her hair without the door <laughs> closed. She's a podcaster, shouldn't she? I know. Be I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Honey. she obviously can't hear me over the amazing amount of noise that's being made. Well, again, apologize to our listeners at home.
1: I can't really hear it that bad. It's not too bad. All right. Well, so let me just run through a couple of films that he's directed. They're all sort of in his trademark style funeral in Berlin, which is one of the Harry Palmer trilogy, the Michael Caine, Ipcrest file movies. That's I think mm -hmm. the second one battle of Britain, um Mm. force 10 from navarone which is one of my favorite films of all time god i love that movie i don't think it's a great movie but it's just one of those world war ii movies that uh you know they lose a man as they go along the whole mission every 10 minutes and keep on going i've never seen it matt um remo williams the adventure begins what a classic um, cool. I'll take now, off. you were
0: just going through uh, Guy Hamilton's uh, yeah. list. After Force 10 and Navarone, I believe you were talking about... Remo Williams. Yes. That's exactly it, Matt.
1: Uh, Re- and uh, Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, where uh, it's basically kind of a James Bond movie itself. <laughs> Have you
0: ever seen that? What if Wilford Brimley was in a James Bond movie?
1: (laughs) And Joel Grey as
0: an Asian person. Uh, And Fred Ward, who I
1: wrote into a pilot not long ago. Oh, really?
0: I love him. I love Fred Ward.
1: Yeah, I do too. He showed up in uh, season two of True Detective. He didn't have much to do, but it was really nice to see him.
0: Very enjoyable. Yeah. Very... Very character actor, badass kind of guy. Yeah, he's great. Uh, so Guy Hamilton, we salute you.
1: Yep. All right. Who's your number three, Matt?
0: I, I'm wondering if we're going to go... Do you think we'll run out the list together? I think our top five might be exactly the same. This is going to be an interesting discussion. Okay. Yeah. Matt. Yeah. My number three. Uh huh. Peter Hunt. Oh, oh! This is no. where we went awry. Yep. Yeah, mine is Terrence Young. Oh, well, we're gonna not be able to talk about Terrence Young until right now because my number two <laughs> is Terrence Young. Uh, I'm looking at his
1: IMDb. Man, he worked up until 1988. Oh wow! Yeah. I mean, so this is the man that started it all
0: he started it all and he made he made he made Dr. No I mean you, you right. can't you can't not give him credit where credit's due he made Dr. No and then he came back and made From Russia with Love
1: and Thunderball which you know well, 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 I mean
0: let's not jump into it I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> but all accounts uh, were every every documentary you see on this everybody always says you know he was very much James Bond himself yes They always say that about him.
0: They always say about him because the man enjoyed uh, dressing well and uh, and just being an all-around
1: cool dude. Eating well, drinking well. He sent Connery to his tailor before he had the job, right? Told him to sleep in the suit. It's amazing.
0: He got so much out of this. And by the way, he's a hands-on director, Matt. And and I'm going to prove that to you by sending you this photo.
1: <laughs> uh he was born in shanghai wow Hmm.
0: you sent me something i did i sent you a photo of him directing okay because it's delightful
1: oh yeah he's got his hands on tatiana in the bedroom scene him from russia with love but look at him he's in this beautiful houndstooth type coat and a suit and tie i wonder wow yeah, I, his films, you know, obviously just not just because they started it all, but they do have, um, they do have a like a class to them that maybe some of the others don't quite, you know what I mean? Where the rest are like, we know yeah. we have to have class. It feels like his don't need to fake it, that they kind of are classy, you know?
0: Yeah, and a lot of what he established, you know, we talk about Guy Hamilton establishing the formula with Goldfinger, but. I mean I mean just think of how iconic the shot is of of Sean Connery's first words on the screen.
1: Right. You know, yeah. just to
0: frame that up with the it's amazing. Like, uh, talking to the lady in red and you're in a smoky casino and he looks up and lights yeah. a cigarette. I mean, just ready to go from that point on. Right. Right. And and for for me, I, you know, From Russia with Love is uh, close to a perfect James Bond movie.
1: Well, we'll find out next week when we, oh my we God. watch From Russia a, With Love. What a
0: treat. Right? Yeah, for everyone listening at home, that episode might be a little bit late. Depends on where our schedule falls on Monday. Oh, Describing yeah? people just in case.
1: Okay. All right. I don't um, have a ton yeah. to say about Terrence Young, surprisingly. I think just because his is really the gold standard. Like, he, he's set the tone completely and it was just a matter of where do you deviate from that right well he
0: also has the number one grossing james bond film of all time adjusted for inflation matt thunderball that's correct yeah thunderball wow unbelievable Hmm. okay it is time to talk about
1: uh peter hunt peter hunt
0: Yep, you're number two, correct?
1: He's my number two, and only he only did one film, but he did the editing on all the films prior, or I think most of them, if not all of them. Um, yeah. But the the way he pushed the envelope that would I think wasn't appreciated at the time, and really wasn't until you got to uh, Casino Royale or even Quantum of Solace that. East, or, you know, the Bourne movies, like he was doing some shit that you just didn't see. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. He was the most
0: innovative director. Uh, yeah, maybe so. You huh? know, of that period too. And, you know, of, any uh, of, of these them, movies and, you know, they let him do a lot. They let him, they gave him a lot of, of, of freedom. And I think because of that, they 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 were paid back with a movie that's great. And I just, you know, it's hard to say where it stands in the pantheon of James Bond movies. It's just, I think it's a ruined, rather the legacy of it's ruined by the fact, or maybe helped by the fact, that George Lazenby only did one. He was one and done.
1: Yeah, they did give him total freedom, but I... I feel like I'm, if I'm remembering it correctly, they weren't entirely happy with it. Cause you know, they went the other direction with Guy Hamilton after this. So I don't think he was asked back and I don't think they appreciated what he had done. But what's interesting mm-hmm. too, is how innovative he was and how realistically he pushed it. However, how much he adhered to the original novel more than any Bond film to date, I think
0: yeah i he i wish he'd gotten more work
1: after this movie oh yeah what else did what did he do
0: you know some t v he did a gulliver's travels but nothing
1: nothing else huh let me see nothing wow. really yeah the persuaders um oh he did sure. the the Ipcris file. Oh, these are editors. Hold on. As an editor, they, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow, yeah. Wild Geese 2. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, man. The original Wild Geese. Now that's a movie. Do you, you ever want a good day? Sit down and watch Force 10 from Navarone into Wild Geese, and you're going to get a Guy Hamilton movie, you're going to get a, a Roger Moore movie, and you're going to get a lot of uh, just good junk food Action um, dated movies.
0: Here's his uh here's his quote regarding James Bond films, which he likened to paperback novels. My feeling was that one should make the films seriously, but never take them seriously.
1: Oh, that's beautiful.
0: It's good advice. I love it. Uh speaking of taking things seriously, it's time for our number one James Bond director. He hails from the island nation of New Zealand.
1: Wait, wait, before you go ahead, it's also worth mentioning, I think, that Peter Hunt was the first gay director of a Bond movie, too? Uh,
0: I, I, didn't, not, I, didn't even, I didn't even know he was.
1: What, yeah, I believe he is. Um, well, he's dead now. He died in 2002. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was. I don't know that he was out but it i think it was common knowledge possibly on the set too
0: well fucking innovating in more ways than one peter that's right just uh also the one of you know the best editor they ever had honestly the, fucking, yeah. the cuts in the in the in the train fight yeah with um you know those two dum-dums anyway uh peter hunt well done, sir. You did one movie and v- catapulted yourself to number two on the list. You beat out nine other men. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you ready? To I'm talk ready. About Big surprise. Best on the planet. Yeah. Martin Campbell. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. born in Hastings, New Zealand in October of 1943, it's Martin Campbell, the director of such films as the Mask of Zorro and and the Green Lantern movie <laughs> <laughs> we have a man who did two terrific James Bond movies that's right sorry, i just legend watched legend of zorro not the mask of zorro legend of zorro oh he did I... mask too he did mask and legend oh my god
1: i just watched the foreigner
0: Oh, how was it? I haven't seen it yet. I actually,
1: I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, Maybe it falls apart a little in the end, but it was kind of fun. I think when people are disappointed in it, maybe it might be the marketing or they're expecting more of a classic Jackie Chan. Um, Brosnan's pretty interesting in it too. Uh, It's funny because I was looking at some of the reviews and they're talking about how bad his accent is, but he is playing an Irishman and he's Irish. So I don't know what the hell they think they're talking about there, you know. Um, but maybe I, it's they've worth never the watch, really I heard
0: think. him. Maybe they've never heard him be Irish. Maybe they spent. He's also time playing a, him a,
1: a Northern Irish Irish person too, which oh, they have a little that. bit of a different. Dialect. If you're a
0: listener uh, of this podcast and you are familiar with the accent he uses in the foreigner, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, tell us. Do you think it was good? Do you think it was bad? Are you from? If he is doing a Northern Irish accent, are you from there? Did it sound terrible to you? Let me know.
1: Yes. Tweet us. So, uh, but yeah. Casino Royale. I mean, GoldenEye, great film. Uh, but what, what I'm really here for is Casino Royale. And I think the thing I love about Martin Campbell is how he manages to somehow totally deliver what a Bond movie should be gracefully, mm-hmm. elegantly, but you're also not really paying attention to the directing. You know, he's, totally. he's not, it's not like a super artistic film, although there's a lot of artistic moments, especially in Casino Royale and tender moments and good cinematic moments. But the, I think his real talent is you just get engrossed in the film. You're not watching it. You're in right. it, you know, and that movie more than any Bond movie just makes me forget I'm watching a movie and I just get sucked into it. I love that. I mean, the direction
0: in that movie is evident everywhere. Everywhere. The and yet you're not, that movie but you're not like,
1: heavily conscious of it when you're watching it. That's what's so great about it. No,
0: you are. Well, I think you are. I think whenever really? you can fully suspend disbelief and enjoy a film, I think then, well, for well, me, my brain but that becomes fully aware. Really, directing. but that by
1: definition is suspending disbelief is when you aren't thinking that, you know? You yeah, just and I, like, think,
0: but that, I think that's what makes a good director, is when oh, you're not agree. thinking about it.
1: No, that's what I'm saying.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. I yeah. guess I'm just
1: like macro, and you're micro. But as we sit here and talk about it, you can yeah. think about it. But I feel like when I'm watching that movie, it just gets me in every time, and... That's what I love about it. And then it's only later when I go, "Holy shit, that was artful and seamless and masterful how like how he directs and how he gets you through scenes without even thinking about it, you know?" I think so what he does clean.
0: what he does well, Martin Campbell is make uh I just twirled my glasses out of my hands. I saw that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um what he does really well is is direct action yeah he he man i mean it, even thinking back to yes the parkour stuff at the beginning is fantastic but like think about the stairway fight yeah oh think yeah. about the the whole i mean we always forget every time we talk about this movie we we end up talking about the scene at the airport that chase but we're always like I always, I never think about that movie. When I think about the movie, yeah, I never think about that scene. And when you think about that scene, it's an amazing scene. But it's between so much right, great action that
1: you just like. You're like, oh yeah, that was in that movie. And not only that, but like that first scene between Vesper and Bond on the train. Just moments where I, I don't know if this is Ava Green or Martin Campbell, but the way she enters and she just. It's like storms in plops down throws her purse down and just goes mm-hmm. i'm the money anyone else would have probably just walked in normally or something like I, I i don't know there's just a specialness to it that is not over the top or flashy but very memorable so good yeah.
0: It'll it's it's endlessly uh it's an endlessly rewatchable movie yeah and i haven't I, again this is another one that i haven't watched since we last talked about it
1: i've seen this one of not too long ago just because i love to have it on (laughs) um what here's a question yeah we've talked about who we would like to direct the next bond movie you know it would be amazing if they would bring him back for craig's last bond movie oh my god i wonder if they've considered it i mean he's he's, so good i feel like he would do it yeah because i i keep thinking like oh denny villeneuve or you know one of these new fancy directors but why not just go back to the guy who's gotten it done
0: here's what i say i don't think you need a fancy director for a james bond movie i don't think you're looking for that you know what i mean i don't think no. you're looking for these twists on the formula i you think need you're looking someone... for a competent action director
1: it's a tough one cuz you need but you need more than just a blockbuster director you do need someone who who, like Terrence Young, has taste and style and can can incorporate in these action movies seamlessly so that the two go together. And that, as it is evidenced by a lot of these movies, is not easy to do. Yeah. And that's what you truly need, yeah. Uh, So, hmm. Martin Campbell,
0: you have our vote for Bond Please come
1: back. Please come back. I
0: wish we could just call Barbara Broccoli. I know. Just be like, hey, Babs, we got some ideas.
1: (laughs) You know, us.
0: (laughs) These two that do this unauthorized podcast about James Bond. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's our list, everybody. Those are our top 10 directors, uh, top 11 directors. I hope you guys uh, agree with us. Uh, If you don't agree with us, tell us in the comments. Don't forget to subscribe. Wow. I'm just slipping into a YouTube video.
1: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Wait, before we wrap up Martin Campbell, I do find it interesting that he's both of our number one pick, but the rest of his resume isn't anything spectacular. If anything, it's kind of the opposite. I mean, I think Zorro's pretty well regarded, but Green Lantern. Uh... Well,
0: you know what? You know what it is, though? I think maybe that's it's the material. You can be good, like something can. Th- you can thread the needle on something so well. You could be really great at at X. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. You know, I'm a I'm I'm like it's obviously his wheelhouse to do this yeah, kind of bond for film. sure. And it's like you know you're yeah yeah I could be you know I'm a competent writer, but I'm really good at writing jokes on the Goldbergs. You know what I mean? It's like that. Yeah, it's like that's there's a wheelhouse for people, and I think his wheelhouse is the. Is the mix, is the James Bond mix of action and drama.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
0: Because, like, Green Lantern doesn't, tonally, is not that.
1: <laughs> no, I've never seen it, but I've seen a bit of it. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All ben right, Campbell, so we win. Love you.
0: And now it's time, everybody, for the number one, for the, for the people who've directed, there's five people who've directed one film only.
1: And that's Those Lee Tamerhati, Roger yep. Spottiswode, Michael Apted, mm-hmm. Mark Forster, and Peter Hunt, right? Yes. Well, it's going to be the no way, surprise. It we'll just do in the, like it, by the in way, it the almost sounds like order. that's the exact order. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. we're going to
0: sign off on that order. I'm going to sign off on that order, man.
1: <laughs> Pretty easy. Well All done, right. everybody. <laughs>
0: Uh, we will see you all uh, next week for From Russia with Love. Oh, I didn't do that right. We usually say James Bonding
1: will return. I'll start, start it.
0: James okay. Bonding
1: will return in From Russia podcast with Love. James
0: Bond. James Bond. podcast. James Bond. podcast. James Bond. podcast. James Bond. King podcast. 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 Matt and. Matt and. and man, James Bonding podcast. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you
0: streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Showgun.